All righty. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Modcast. I'm your host, Chris Perry, joined by my co-host, Tyler Bedson, and our special guest, Austin. Gentlemen, what kind of animals do we feel like this evening? Feeling a spider this evening. Okay. And why is that? In the spirit, man. Halloween, shady, hiding out of the corners, up in the <laughs> web for you guys to come down. Reclusive. Okay. And Tyler? Um, let's see. Today, I feel like a crab. Okay. And why is that? Because they have a hard shell and a certain number of legs. I'm unsure. I think it's only six. I thought it was eight at one point. Uh, Funny story. One time I called somebody a crab and I told them it's because they had eight legs. And then they were like, no, they only have six and like corrected me. And I was like, oh, shit, crab expert. (laughs) Now, now because of that, I never call anybody a crab because I don't want to get corrected on the anatomy of crabs. That's fair. Have you ever, I mean, have you ever thought just to look it up and remember it? No. No? <laughs> okay. I don't know how many legs crabs have, so I guess, watch, after after we post this podcast, I'm going to get 10 people that message me and be like, they have seven legs, they have six legs, and I'm going to get educated on crabs. Well, we know they have more than one and less than a million, so anywhere in between, who knows? Yeah, they're not centipedes, so... Do different species of crabs have different amount of legs? Have you ever seen those one crabs and they're like gigantic crabs? Like king, I crab? think king crabs. Yeah, those look terrifying. You know, like I would not want to run into a king crab. Hermit crabs have 10 legs. See, this is like, this is the stuff I'm telling you. Maybe like, I have no idea how many legs crabs have. And I and like, it's just, I, I feel like it's an unknown thing and it's maybe different for each crab. Like, you know, like, you know how like uh, ant- deers have like antlers and they have certain number of points on their antlers, like but like crabs have different amount of legs, mm. and the more more legs, the more superior. The longer I'm alive, I realize that our public schooling system has failed us all. <laughs> That's I mean, all I've learned. <laughs> crab one hundred and one. Come on, guys. Yeah, this yeah. should be this should be a course. I don't care about economics. I want to know how many legs crabs have. Um, how many legs do? So we know how many hermit crabs have. Are you a specific crab? Like, is there a particular one that you feel like? I'm not a like a STD crab. I'll tell you that. Like, I'm more <laughs> like a, an That's animal good. crab. Okay, but like in in this the realm of non STI crab, what do you feel like specifically? So I can tell you how many legs you have. I'm not educated on crabs, Chris. I have no idea like what <laughs> brands of crabs there are. <laughs> brands. <laughs> So is this one store? Yeah. Yeah. All I know is imitation crab. I don't even think that's like hey. a real thing. And that's good stuff. That is good stuff. Uh, so apparently uh, all crabs have 10 legs. I know a fact about crabs. Let me share it with you guys. I don't know why I know this. I read it somewhere on, I saw it on TikTok. Let's be honest. So crabs have a dominant and non-dominant hand, like claw. Okay. And their dominant hand is predominantly type 2 muscle fibers, so that it's very fast, and that's what they use to catch things. And their non-dominant is predominantly type 1 muscle fibers, and it's what they use to crush things, because it's slower. Well, that's fascinating. Yeah, have, you so seen, that's... have you ever seen crabs steal baby turtles? Because I think that's just like really messed up. I've never seen that. Like, it'll be like baby turtles like going to the ocean for the first time, and there's like just crabs popping up and stealing them and then eating them. 
dude, that sucks. Crabs are savage animals, so that's not something I would ever want to be involved in. Like, I don't want to be a crab. Actually, like I, I said, I wanted to be one. Now I don't. Okay, so you've talked you've talked yourself out of it. So now, what do you want to feel like? What kind of animal? Uh, octopus. Okay, okay. Back to numerous appendages. Yes. Any of them legs in this case, or are you just all arms now? All arms, all arm octopus. I like this. A one eighty. Okay. Um, I. I feel like a like a chinchilla. No, I feel like a wombat, a baby wombat. Have you ever seen those? Look them up. About to look them up because they're pretty cool. I kind of want one. I don't know if legally you can own one in this state, but I'm gonna try. These look horrible. They <laughs> <laughs> look like a cheap guinea pig. Yeah, it's like something that's like what that I, you would find in a horror movie, and it grows up and just like eats everyone. Like what? So I feel like I feel like a like a cheap guinea pig. Why did I get these ones? Did you? He found a hair. Okay, so he typed in wombats and his look normal. I typed it in and it looks like it looks like a like a like a genital. Do I? I think it's just. I, listen, I'm not accusing you of looking up weird shit in your free time, but I think Google is just trending towards what you're used to looking for. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Like you look up some strange things, you probably appreciate these pictures of weird-looking wombats that look like humans. So this yeah. guy's weird. He's gonna like this shit for sure. Uh, He's gonna be into that. Okay. Well, let's get started. Yeah. So here we are, guys. So we have a special guest, Austin, uh, whom is an owner of Clinical Labs, the founder. Um, and as we all want to discuss uh, supplements and the ins and outs of the industry, as it's not really ever talked about. Um, the age-old question that we all are dying to know, Austin, is creatine a steroid? Creatine is, in fact, not a steroid. It is an amino acid. Shit. All right. Well, that changes things for us all. So creatine is not a steroid. That's the entire podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Um, that's all I've got. Tyler? <laughs> all right. Well, our next question. <laughs> Doozy. All right, Austin. What got you started with clinical labs and just go and tell us about how you got started. What made you decide you wanted to start a supplement company and we'll go from there. Yeah, sure. So back in 2014, 2015, I was a manager at a supplement chain. And as I looked through supplements, as many people did, started trying new things, um, I noticed that I was taking ingredients that were oftentimes low dose or not even labeled. You didn't know exactly what you're taking or how much was in anything. Um, I noticed that certain things would stim me out quite heavily. Other things would give me a pump. And I really didn't understand why. And as I looked at labels and such, it really didn't explain why. You know, you had great marketing, but very little facts when it comes to ingredients, ingredient usages, and dosages. So back then, I believe the only brand that I would consider reputable that's still probably one of the top brands today is Neutral Bio. Mm. And the company that I worked for back then had just started carrying Neutral Bio. And they listed out all their ingredients. They had dosages with science. So in other words, this ingredient goes with this ingredient and it's synergistic for this reason. Um, and, you know, they were loaded. They were great products. And kind of looked at that and realized the industry, at least at the time, didn't have anything like that. It was few and far between. 
So we kind of put our heads together, Ted and I at the time, and uh, got going with clinical labs. And now in 2022, going into 2023, we see a ton of companies that are clinically dosed, um, carrying good quality products. And th that's what I love to see. You want to raise the standard. Um, and I think that the more companies we have like that, um, it's just only going to improve the entire industry in general. You want quality, you want high ingredients, and you want to be able to lean on a supplement um, that you're taking and know what's in it and know why you're taking it. Yeah, I think obviously I agree in seeing how the industry has started to improve across the board where now there are more higher quality like sourced supplement companies out there and it's like okay and they're those are the, the cream is starting to rise to the top in a certain sense um but with that being said you brought up something about you know taking certain products that were either underdosed or like not even labeled or anything like that and that was one of the questions that i wanted to bring up because i don't think people are aware a lot of products will have like in quotes like proprietary blend or something of the sorts what exactly does that mean for those who don't know? So a proprietary blend is what it sounds like, multiple ingredients mixed together to form a blend. Most times, not in all times, but almost always, a proprietary blend is not going to tell you the exact breakdown per ingredient. Mm -hmm. um, supplement companies in the past, at least, and still actually to present day, will do this to hide the dosages of each ingredient. So if you need six grams of citrulline on average mm -hmm. in a product and citrulline is in this proprietary blend, but the blend is totaled at 2,500 milligrams or 2.5 grams. You really know for a fact that you're definitely not getting the full amount of that. You're probably not even getting a quarter of the amount that you're supposed to, because there's probably five to 10 ingredients inside this proprietary blend. Yeah. And that's, um, that's something that everybody should look at. You know, you're putting it into your body and you're hopefully putting it in to benefit yourself and improve um, the process of training. So proprietary blends are kind of a, they're just shit, to be honest. There, yeah. There's really no reason for them. Um, some people will say that it's to hide um, the amount of each ingredient because it's their style of uh, blend, if you will. But it, in reality, it's not. It's because they have multiple ingredients in there that are underdosed. Yeah. Yeah. My my thoughts on it are like kind of like why would you hide your ingredients? You know what what's the reason behind that? So, you know, whenever I became formulator for clinical labs, that was one of the big things we discussed is we wanted to make sure it was products and set doses that we knew were clinically you know proven to work. So I believe if you're trying to hide what's in your products, then you're not being fully. Um, making your, your consumer fully aware of everything and how it works. And, you know, that's what we want to do. And that's why I think every company should do is make sure that their consumer knows that they're getting quality products and quality amounts of each certain ingredient so that it works. Yeah. I mean, and ultimately go ahead. Mm -hmm. It also gives you the ability to compare, right? There's so many brands out right now. There's so many yeah. companies. Now I can walk into any supplement company, be at next level or whatever, and look at multiple products and say, okay, well, I'm looking for something that's geared towards pump. So if I'm picking a pre, then I'm going to say, well, this has got citrulline, this has got agmatine, this has got L-normaline, um, this has got beetroot extract, whatever you're looking for. And then you can compare dosages and ingredient breakdowns. Um, so you can tailor 
your products to what you want to take and how you train. And I yeah. think that everybody should, in theory, break down their products efficiently like that. Yeah, it's like it shouldn't be something that you should hide as a company. I, I, that's not something I've ever understood. I, I Not that I could grasp it back in the day of the, the Jack 3D days when they would do a blend so that the FDA couldn't batch test them so often, right? But now it's like we're, I think we've surpassed the days of meth in our pre-workout, so why not label everything that you got in there, you know? Yeah, that's that's kind of the same thoughts I have is like, make sure that you're making a product that you are proud of and that you know the ingredients in there are substantial enough for somebody to get results. So that kind of leads me into our further question, which I know Austin is behind the scenes. You know, he's the one that go ahead and like we, we kind of tell him what products to make, what we want in them. But then he is in charge of making sure that he finds the ingredients, finds a provider, finds a producer, finds somebody to produce the whole product from start to finish. So my question, and a lot of people are questioning lately, is why are supplements going up in price? So for most people that don't know, a vast majority of raws, if not honestly all raws, come from China. And with everything that's happened, starting in 2020, obviously, to present day, you are looking at multiple factors within products, uh, quality, and then pricing. So when when the whole globe goes into a shutdown, we'll call it, uh, because of a virus, the effect of that is obviously going to affect manufacturing, which we've now seen across the board in inflation, right? So when all of our stuff, all of our raw materials are manufactured in another country, it only makes sense as to that country happens to shut down harder than pretty much any other country. Mm-hmm. Where where are we going to get our stuff? We're not. So therefore, supply and demand, cost goes up. That country, said country comes back and it's finally manufacturing again, but it can't keep up, right? Because it's already behind. It shut down for six months, 12 months, however long it was. So now we're literally just seeing a bump because there's a more there's a greater supply for those ingredients now that really is what it comes down to um along with shipping costs you know uh shipping costs from china i think went up like roughly 40 percent no reason it just did so the product that you were buying well let me start this way the the 25 kilo drum that you were ordering of an ingredient that originally cost uh the manufacturer 1500 dollars is now costing them $3,000 or $3,200. So, and that's one ingredient. And if you have products like ours that have, you know, sometimes 10 plus ingredients in there, that's a big jump. So manufacturers had no choice but to raise prices, which is why we've seen kind of a price increase across the board. Uh, and, and, you know, not to rant, but it's also another thing where I feel like more manufacturing should, or I'm sorry, more raw materials should be manufactured within the U.S. as well. Um, but that's, could be a topic for another day. Yeah. No, I agree with that too, but it's also like you've seen, and I think it stands to the the morality of certain companies. You've seen some companies like clinical not hike their prices through the roof. And then you've seen others try to take advantage of it. Right. So a hundred percent. Yeah. And that's a, uh, that's one thing that me, Ted, who's the other owner um, and Tyler all talk about all the time is how much is the product? And how much can we sell it for and not joust the customer, cause anybody to pay extra? I mean, I want to have a quality product 
at an affordable price. That is always my goal whenever I come out with something. I do not want anybody to overpay. Mm-hmm. So as we look at margins and look at costs, we're we're literally looking at okay, well, well, this product went up two dollars for manufacturing per unit, and when you're ordering thousands, that's quite a bit of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So most of our products, a couple we have, but for the most part, we haven't raised prices on hardly anything. Um, mm-hmm. We've done our very best to, and we just eat it because yeah. I think it's fair to that the customer should have to pay that two or three dollar increase uh, on there, and so we do our best on our end to keep the products as affordable as possible. And, you know, we also want to be competitive. You know, this is a very, very competitive market that we're in. We, we want to make sure that we have competitive prices and good quality stuff for everybody. So it's a, it's a constant game back and forth. But on a positive note, we are slowly seeing it's slow, but we are seeing a trend in prices coming down. Uh, awesome. I've noticed it specifically in the last probably three weeks, protein has gone down a little bit. Um, citrulline has gone down a little bit. So you're seeing a couple of ingredients slowly come back down as we're able to get more uh, sourced in from China. Awesome. That's awesome. Which is which is kind of crazy to me because I remember back in the day, like um, me, me and Austin actually worked at a supplement store together. And it was like creatine, for example, then it was so cheap and so <laughs> easy to get that you know, if you spent $50 at our store, it was often like we would give you free creatine, like a free 50 serving creatine. And yeah. now it's like creatine for 50 serving is like $21, yeah. which you know, is like a 300% price increase from back in the day. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's happened over the course of probably, I don't know, 12 yeah. months, you know what I mean? Like which has, which has led to, you know, we, we see stuff with people faking creatine or selling fake um, whey isolates even or you know stuff called amino spiking so do you see do you think those problems have uh become more of a thing because of these hikes and prices to take advantage of people or do you think like um uh, do you think it's almost it's uh, a risk to buy something too cheap now yeah it's um i've always been taught that you pay for what you get and there's nothing wrong with shopping for deals. And there's nothing wrong with getting a bargain on something. But if something is priced extremely low, oftentimes it's too good to be true. Um, and that kind of goes for everything, um, not just in the supplement world, housing, cars, everything. Yeah. So it, the way that I look at it is if I'm getting a pre-workout and it says it has 12 actives all dosed correctly and it is a $19.99 or $24.99 pre-workout, dollars that is i i can't rationalize that they're actually putting in the ingredients that they say because i personally know how much these ingredients cost i see it yeah, yeah. so you're paying 25 dollars for a pre-workout that everybody literally everybody else is charging somewhere between 40 and 50 dollars depending on the person and, and the company and you're telling me that you can sell it make a profit with the same ingredients for 25 bucks or for half the cost um i i i doubt it so either you're not making any money or you're lying somewhere yeah yeah, it's like I hear that and I would say like in my brain of buying supplements for the last decade, like I wouldn't pay less than $50 probably for that pre-workout in all reality. That to me sounds like a like a, the right number, right, for market. But then you see you see stuff like that. But going back to, we were talking about amino spiking. Again, something I don't think a lot of people really know what that is. Can you guys explain that to the audience? So... Amino spiking is basically where a company will add in stuff like leucine and uh, other amino acids 
to make it seem like it has more protein content than it actually does. So in a way, it becomes a cheaper quality. It no longer becomes fully a whey isolate. And it allows the company to get the product in a way for cheaper, but still sell it as a, you know, full protein packed product, which in a way it's a scam. Mm -hmm. um, so you're actually not getting the whey isolate that can be used for, you know, nutritional purposes, but you're getting something loaded with more amino acids, which is what companies will do to bypass you know, creating a quality product, which companies have been sued for this before. They've gotten in trouble for this. Like, I think there was one back in the day, Intech got in huge trouble for that, if I recall. And there's been quite a few other ones, but it's, you know, th there's some companies that I see selling protein and I'm like, ah, oh, that's a little too cheap to be a, you know, a protein you know, that's quality in, in a way I, I kind of get concerned. Like if a, if a client of mine tells me they're using something, I'm very strict on the proteins they can use. Like I, of course, like I want people to use clinical labs, but there are other proteins I allow them to use because mm -hmm. you know, I understand that some people pref have preferences on flavors or what they prefer, what digests best for them. But I always do get concerned when some people are buying certain proteins and they're very low in price because I'm like, they may be amino spiking. Yeah. Yeah. Just to piggyback on that, like Tyler said, you know, certain aminos are are added to the profile. Um, and when it's tested, it's going to come out as 25 grams per. But in reality, it's not actually 25 grams of actually whey isolate. Um, they're using fillers, more or less cheap amino acids to boost that number. And multiple large companies have actually gotten in trouble. It's been some time, to my knowledge, probably close to 10 years now. But multiple large companies got in trouble for it. And uh, it was pretty prevalent for a while. So like Tyler said, you know, you're going to see these companies and they're going to oftentimes try to compete at a much lower price and every now and then you know you might get lucky but for the most part it's probably there's probably something fishing going on there so yeah. i would always make sure that we're looking at you know and also also check the labels make sure that that first ingredient is in fact way isolate you know um you know there's there's a lot of companies that will call our product an isolate but when you look Isolate is just one of the ingredients, and there's also concentrate in there. So it's not as pure. Um, it doesn't mix as well. It doesn't digest as well. It's not as uh, easily absorbed in the body. So make sure you're doing your research as well. I think also, again, for the listeners, for those who don't know, because we do have a lot of like beginners, people who are just getting into fitness, kind of breaking down each type of protein that you would see in a protein powder potentially and then also kind of like the i guess the purpose of those or like the benefits of them if you could just like very quickly synopsize those yeah so um i mean just real briefly you're going to have an isolate which is probably my preferred anybody that has lactose issues oftentimes will take an isolate it's just extremely pure and refined right so certain levels of um, refinement are what make up different levels so a concentrate is not going to be nearly as pure and refined as an isolate Nothing wrong with a good concentrate, and a lot of people can handle concentrate just fine. But for me, as I've gotten older, my body doesn't handle dairy mm -hmm. as well. So yep. I actually have to use an isolate. I don't have a choice. Um, otherwise, you know it. So with that said, isolate is probably what I would consider high-end and my preference. Concentrate is a great solid protein as long as you're able to digest it properly. And then you have got your casing, which is going to be your slow-releasing protein that some people will use at nighttime um and they feel that it helps with um 
recovery better. That that's all personal preference to me. And then you got multiple blends. You, you have some people that do use a um, a whey isolate and a concentrate mixed. Um, mm-hmm. cer- certain products for baking and stuff are going to be geared farther away from isolate because it's it doesn't mix quite as well, you know. Gotcha. So, and then you also can look for different in- ingredients with consistency as well. We try to put as few um, inactives in ours as possible to keep it as pure as possible. I've never understood. I've I've personally have never understood the casing before bed, like methodology ever. Because to me, and again, I get I grasp the idea, but it's only just given me like horrible bloating and GI distress from having. Well, that's the thing is like for me, it's it's so much dairy based because of like I, I think of it like cottage cheese or whole milk. But in a way, like it's good for somebody that's starting a diet um, because it digests longer. It takes longer to digest, so it keeps them fuller longer. So mm-hmm. I can see the purposes behind that. But as far as like, you know, I would almost rather have a client have an, a way isolate and, you know, something else with it, like, mm-hmm. you know, some peanut butter or some unsweetened almond milk or something like that to help it digest slower. rather than have a casein protein because i I do feel like that digests just horribly for me yeah Um, i kind of fell into that gimmick when i was younger but i don't really often tell people to use a casein these days yeah do you guys like cottage cheese no no tyler it's okay i used to eat it all like you know back when i first started bodybuilding and i would do it as like my late night meal with some pineapple Good choice. And I felt like that was good. Or, you know, I mixed it up with some peanut butter. But uh, I don't think I've ate cottage cheese in honestly about like six, seven years. Do you prefer a large curd or a small curd? I think a small curd. I'm pretty I'm sure. Large, I always... I'm a large curd guy, but we can beg, you know, we can disagree on this one. Yeah, I guess it's okay for this time. But yeah, well, we'll talk about it more later. But anyways, yeah. I just like I'd ask. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, I think that's a lot of good information because again, people don't know these things. Like I didn't know a lot about supplementation until I, like most bodybuilders managed a GNC. And then I learned a lot of things at that point. Right. Um, but I think that's one thing too, is like, I've seen a lot of companies coming out and having, and we'll talk about this too. Uh, they immediately have 85 quote unquote sponsored athletes that are really ambassadors and, their entire product line is just proprietary blends and it's like a get rich quick gimmick is what it feels like to me, but I could be wrong. Yeah. So they're obviously if you're using a prop blend and you're not putting in a significant amount of each ingredient, it's going to be significantly cheaper. So you can afford more athletes, um, whether it be paying them a free product or paying them coupon code salary, whatever the case may be. So it's, it's definitely cheaper. And you will see it. Um, but thankfully, you know, and I'll always try to give a silver lining and be positive. The industry is as a whole moving away from that. And it's yeah. something that, um, that is is a necessity. But unfortunately, you do see stuff like that. They'll pop up, you know, they'll put a little bit of money into it, get a bunch of athletes behind it and try to take it off. Um, but it'll be short lived. You know, if you're going to start a business, at least in my opinion, you want something that's going to be around for a long time. It's going to grow. and It's going to have a solid reputation behind it. Um, yeah. of honesty and transparency. So I don't feel that a company that that does those things is probably going to last too long from a proprietary blend uh, standpoint, at least. 
Yeah. Like we said, the cream rises to the top. I just think ultimately it's like we're, we're in an industry now where again, we are having so many people joining the fitness industry, like on a daily basis that a lot of people are just misinformed. They just don't know. They think protein powder is protein powder and pre-workouts pre-workout and they just buy whatever their favorite influencer tells them to buy, you know, and that's how these, these companies are able to kind of get in, scoop up what they can and get out. Yeah. Yeah. You'll see that a lot. And, you know, plenty of brands out there, plenty of quality brands again for the, probably the 13th time, do your research, read, look up things. Don't, don't just purchase because, um, your favorite influencer or your favorite competitor says it's good because at the end of the day, they're probably getting just paid to say that. Um, and same with my, you know, our stuff, look at it, read about it. Talk to people that have taken it, you know. Reading is hard. Reading is hard, Austin. A lot of letters. Well, a lot of letters. Yeah, let's read the room, buddy. We're doing a podcast. We don't read. We talk. <laughs> I think something <laughs> I like to think about, too, is like uh, if a, a product becomes more mass produced, then I always get concerned if it's, you know, going to be still the same quality. Like, you know, I used to recommend Dimatize ISO 100 Protein all the time. And then mm-hmm. I know they sold out to uh, Sam's Club and like Costco and Walmart. And I noticed even for myself and for a lot of my clients that the they weren't digesting it as well. Mm-hmm. So it makes me curious if like, you know, they're, you know, I'm not saying they are, but it's like, are they possibly finding cheaper, cheaper protein or, you know, using more fillers or anything like that to mass produce this in quantities where they can supply something like Sam's club. Well, I've heard and correct me if I'm wrong. I've heard that the products that actually go into like Sam's club and Kroger's and Walmart's tend to be like the C4 sports and stuff like that are, is the product that doesn't meet the quality testing and they label it as something different and sell it to them where it just like, doesn't, isn't potent or like dosed properly for when they do batch testing. I could be wrong. It's a possibility. Um, Oftentimes, it honestly comes down to price. So when Walmart comes to you, or more so, I guess, when you come to Walmart and you say, I want you to carry my products, they're going to tell you how much they're going to pay. You don't get to tell them it costs this wholesale price. They tell you. And for you to produce a product and make a margin on it, a profitable margin, you're not going to be able to sell your your regular pre-workout that's clinically dosed with 15 active ingredients. You're, you're just not because people that go into Walmart aren't looking to pay $40, $50 for a pre-workout. They're looking to pay $20. So mm-hmm. it's more so the fact that Walmart, um, Rite Aid, these places are catering to their audience. Um, and oftentimes you will see, unfortunately, certain supplement companies um, like Cellucor, they'll put a product in there that is you know, their, their, so their C4 ultimate, it's actually a pretty decent pre-workout. What you find in the C4 sport is just trash. It's caffeine um, and artificial flavoring, basically. There's really nothing in there of substance whatsoever. So again, if it's priced that low, it's probably too good to be true. So, yeah, and you can get, you can get caffeine a lot cheaper than a $20 tub of C4 at Walmart. For sure. Also on the flip end, I one time like ran out of protein powder. This was before clinical release theirs. And I was like at Kroger and was just in a situation where I like, it was like nine o'clock at night. I had no other option. I had to buy some like dimatized there. It was fucking $63 for a tub. 
Mm. And I nearly had a stroke at the self-checkout. I was like, this is not only am I drinking not great quality protein, I am paying double what I think I should have for this really shitty quality glorified Nesquik protein powder. I'm not mad, but I'm upset. A little angry. Yes. Understandable. Yeah. Uh, do you know if it was, a, and I, I'm curious as I don't really look at the protein uh, options at like Sam's Club and Kroger and Walmart and such, but do you recall if it was in like an ISO 100 or do you recall if it was maybe a, a like one of their ways? Just their let me, let me pull up. Um, let me pull up the Kroger app real quick. See what we got. Yeah. Cause I can go yeah. back to my recent purchases. Um, it was, where are you? Let's see. It was the Dimatize ISO 100. Interesting. Yeah, it was, yeah, 21.2 ounces. Yeah, it was like 50 something dollars before tax. Wow. Sorry. It's like, uh, I've had clients reach out to me and they're like, hey, weigh isolate. This such and such brand has went up in price. Uh, they're like, should is there anything cheaper that you know of that I can buy? And I've had to straight up tell them, like, spend the extra money and keep getting the quality product. That's yeah. always going to be better for digestion purposes. It's going to be better for results. And you're actually more of a chance of getting something that's actually what it says it is. Because I don't think a lot of people understand, like, the supplement industry isn't very regulated. No. Like. Um, I mean, Austin, how would you describe it to people how the supplement industry is like, you know, how the FDA is involved, how it kind of isn't as regulated and how there's kind of some flaws. So, yeah, so the FDA obviously is what regulates everything and the FDA is not nearly as large as what some people think that it is. Um, When I used to think about the FDA, I would think about the IRS and the IRS having tons of agents that are always going out to companies and checking people's taxes and making sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to. Um, the FDA is actually fairly small for the most part in comparison to what it what it has to oversee, you know, food and drugs. Uh, the nutraceutical aspect of it, which is us, is a very, very small portion of what the FDA has to kind of oversee. So at times, to an extent, I feel as though our industry kind of could fall by the wayside. And they're going to be watching the heavy hitters, the large companies, the large manufacturers, but those small guys that kind of pop up, um, they're going to go and know it for quite a while. So as supplement owners, we have to make sure that we're using quality manufacturers that provide COAs for all their products, which tells you the purity of the product when it was manufactured um, so that we know that we're getting good stuff and seeing the third-party testing to ensure that we're getting what we're paying for. Mm-hmm. So that that's one thing that i i like to discuss with people is like um not a lot of people know about the uh the blackstone labs thing that happened several years ago and you know how that kind of involved with up to redcon one so like austin you want to kind of fill people in on that and like how how companies were somehow you know they were basically putting illegal ingredients into supplements and getting away with it for a period of time, which led to some major controversies. I mean, we'll... yeah, um, and that was that was pretty much it. So for for an extended period of time, Blackstone was putting 
ingredients that were illegal into products and selling them underneath a different name. And more or less, it caught up to them. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that that's a big no, no. You can't call you can't put any drug, but especially an illegal drug in something and, and mislabel it. So not to mention the fact that they made millions upon millions of dollars off this. Right. So it as most things do going through our court system, it took quite a bit of time. But the owners ended up having to do, and I follow both the owners, um, Aaron Singerman and PJ Braun, and both of them, you know, I think are are pretty intelligent businessmen. I think that this is one thing that they just didn't make a good call on, and it happens, and now they're paying the price. And I almost feel as though they were set as an example because I can't think of another time when a supplement company CEO has been sentenced to uh, federal prison. Mm-hmm. So. This is one of those things where they were, I think they were originally looking at up to like 15 years. And I want to say that they're on five years right now. And good behavior could be cut down even shorter, maybe. So, but, you know, they're having to do jail time for selling people illegal drugs as something else. And um, as, as much as I hate to see it, um, I think that it's kind of a, a a warning to everybody. And it's something that you have to really consider when you are choosing a brand fortunately blackstone labs is from what i can tell good to go now um they don't dabble or mess with any of that stuff recon one same thing recon one is actually a completely separate brand that has nothing to do whatsoever with blackstone um after the partnership between those two fell out but it's it's wild man i mean you know 10, 10 years ago plus but at least 10 years ago it was the wild wild west you kind yeah, of I mean, put what it into products and did whatever you wanted yeah, it was like, I mean, we all know what Jack 3D was about. You know, at 14 years old, I was taking meth. Didn't even know it. It was awesome. Or like the other one was Jekyll and Hyde. If you took it together, it basically mimicked PCP. Also yeah. a great time in my life. Awesome workouts. Can't get that anymore. You know what I mean? Like, shit's crazy. You got to think about that. Like back in the day, like you could basically buy just street drugs via pre-workout and nobody questioned it as a problem. So a little clarification on that, uh, DMAA will act, is what was actually found in Jack 3D, which is the same molecule set up as meth, but, um, it's a great ingredient. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. If anybody's taking any pre-workout that has DMHA, um, think about doubling that feeling. Yeah, <laughs> it's intense in, in every way. It's and and if if dosed and done properly, it could be a really good ingredient. But there was a company and I could be wrong about this. So please don't quote me. But there was a company and they had a pre-workout called Craze. Yeah, and that. that product did, in fact, have traces of methamphetamine in it. And I actually yes. didn't get to try that product, but <laughs> multiple friends that did. And they said that it's obviously the best pre-workout that they've ever taken. Um, For sure. Taken literally meth but yes um those days uh of crazy ingredients are slowly becoming long gone the fda is kind of getting ahead of them in the sense of just not banning them out the gate but immediately within a year of them coming out for instance being labeled gray area so dmha is actually not illegal dmaa okay. don't even think is actually technically illegal i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure it's still not technically legal but you use that in your products and the fda catches you it's not going to go well because they're basically saying hey it might not be illegal but we're telling you don't use it 
Yeah. I, I know of one brand that exists still where I took, they, they sent a bunch of samples to the gym I was managing and to like put out and I, I took them home and they, I go insane labs. Have you ever seen their stuff? Dude, I remember one time when I was in college at UK, I was working out at the the student center and this kid came up to me and he was like scratching his neck. Like he was like an addict and he was like, Hey man, you ever trying to this insane lab psychotic? And I was like, yep. I don't know if I want to now, but you know, that, that product is so popular, but it's, uh, you know, what I forget the main ingredient and in it. it might actually be DMHA. It is. It is yeah. because I remember, so this is 2018 I had a bunch of samples and like their pre-workouts, like one of them was named I am God, like very, I mean, this stuff is wild. And so of course I was just like, let's take it. Why not? And so me and all my buddies got together to work out on like a Saturday when I didn't have to work. And I just like pull out this box of just meth and I start handing out packs to all my friends. I'm like, bro, you got to Let's let's we're all trying different names like psychotic and all these other crazy ones. I'm like, I'm going to try this one. So we all take it. Right. And we all go in the gym to train back. We were there for like four and a half hours because we would like do like two or three working sets for every exercise and then be like, okay, are we done? And we'd all be like staring at each other wide eyed, like, no, I got to do something else. And we just, the only reason we left the gym is because we ran out of exercises to do. And then I went home and had like the worst depression crash from it that we've talked about before, like in my entire existence. And I was like, I shouldn't take that again, but I will stop when I run out of this stuff. So that's what I did. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty common, um, especially back then, man. Uh, it was very prevalent. And the crazy part is, is, you know, everything was prop blended back then. Everything mm -hmm. was blend. So you actually had no idea of how much of that ingredient you were getting. Um, <laughs> and, you know, depending on your weight, um, your sex and all the above, you might not need 100 milligrams of X ingredient because it could really mess you up. So. Yeah. I'm glad you had some good workouts, but I'm also glad you're okay. Yeah, that's, <laughs> just, that's crazy. And I know people who buy like tubs of this stuff and take like two scoops. And I'm like, what in the world is going on right now? Granted, like I do recall there was a time that I definitely almost overdosed on caffeine while we're telling Chris doing stupid things stories where I accidentally took a gram of caffeine in one sitting. It was wild. Um, ESP. Do you guys remember that brand? Yeah. Dude, so the gym that I worked out at for a long time in high school, right beside it was a pharmacy. And I guess the woman realized her market and she basically was a pharmacy that she also sold like a ton of supplements in. And so I bought ESP and I didn't know that a big scoop from the scooper was 500 milligrams of caffeine. So it was Thanksgiving 2016 maybe. And I took, after eating numerous plates of food, I went to the gym and I, I took a big scoop and a little scoop. Again, me being the dumbass, I didn't read the label. I just assumed this makes sense. So I take big scoop, little scoops. So I had 750 milligrams of caffeine at like 8 o'clock at night. I start working out. I was like powerlifting at this point. So I had like a whole squat bench deadlift day. Like halfway through, I just decided I needed another little baby scoop. So another 250 milligrams of caffeine. So I did that and got done with the workout. And on the way home, and this is in West Virginia, so it's 15 degrees outside, 
um, I started getting cold sweats and then I started vomiting profusely and then my ears rang and I stayed up all night just staring at the wall while my ears rang. So that's another stupid supplement story. Guys, read the uh, label and how much caffeine is in every scoop, please. Yes, please do because caffeine doesn't create energy. It blocks the receptor that tells you you're tired. So that is very important and you don't want to be blocking something that's telling you that you're, hey, calm down, slow down chill out so you kind of took that to the next level and uh, per usual yeah yeah per usual i would say like in any case i'm going to tell you this also guys if you are having to like double scoop any pre-workout it's probably time to take a break as someone who's done that a lot it's probably time to take a break i don't have to do that now but in the past when i was like 18 and stupid I'll tell you, all those things that Chris did in the past have made him dress like Jeffrey Dahmer today. <laughs> <laughs> He's been waiting to say this this whole time. <laughs> the whole podcast. This whole time. I mean, it was a pretty good delivery. I'll take it. Oh, man. I've been waiting for that. That was great. <laughs> that, that scratch your itch? You feel good? I was like, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Pump mouth doing that. Like. <laughs> But yeah, guys, if we if we've learned anything real quick, uh, read the labels, know the how much caffeine's in your pre-workout and know what is actually in the product. And it wouldn't hurt to do a simple Google search of the products that are in it to understand like what each thing is doing. Um, another quick question, Austin, because uh, it matters a lot to me. Can you overdose on creatine asking for a friend? <laughs> hey please don't try okay okay so okay just just curious i was just wondering another creatine question um yeah okay tyler do you have any other questions um what was uh basically we wanted to say um talk about the new products we had yeah um so we just had our thermogenic fat burner come out which I think is like the perfect fat burner. You know, it's not too strong. It's not something that's going to make you like, you know, just sit there and sweat for no reason. And it's got a pretty good feeling, dude. I've actually been using it, you know, for mm-hmm. my hour of cardio in the morning, my hour of stair mill in the morning more so. Oh, I've been enjoying it, uh, which yeah. is nice. I, I like to enjoy my cardio. So anybody that has not tried that yet, I, I recommend giving that a shot. And then... um. We have our new EAA that came out, which is the Cherry Limeade. Um, great flavor. Um, and then, Austin, was there any new products that we have coming out or anything lined up that you wanted to mention? Or Well, you mentioned the two ones that just released. And just to touch on the fat burner, it is an awesome product. It's uh, it's not overwhelming. Christopher, I'm not sure if you've had a chance to try it yet or not. Yeah, I was going to speak about that. So I did get to test drive it during my prep as – Previously, I was taking, um, I don't, and I don't want to speak poorly about, I was taking Shreddable before, and it made me, especially towards the end of prep, sick as a dog. And then I got to switch to the, the thermogenic, and it feels a lot better. I think, I, I think, and this is where my qualm is with Shreddable, it's dosed as one cap, like one capsule. So you can't like take smaller quantity servings to like test it out. And that's part of why I like the, the clinical one because it's four pills a serving. So it's like you can start with one or two and work your way up and not just get smacked in the face with Shreddable like I did quite a few times. So I take it before my fasted 
but I actually take it with the mood enhancer and the performance nootropic. So I ride the lightning. It feels good. You're just stacking on stacking, man. I like yeah. It. It's so fun. <laughs> but we yeah, had no, talk. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Tyler and I talked about it. How like if you combine like the nootropic and the mood enhancer, how wild the focus is. And then you throw the thermogenic in and it's just, I mean, it's chef's yeah. kiss. It's the Holy Trinity. Yeah. It, uh, it all works well. And, uh, kind of to your point, all of our capsule products are actually, and we made it this way, are four caps per serving. Mm-hmm. And that's not to make somebody take four pills. Cause some people don't like pills. It's to be able to gauge your tolerance and to say, okay, well, two does it. Why take four? Mm-hmm. Yep. Why, why, why give you one pill, one large horse pill and put everything in it when I can give you four and you can say two or hey, maybe even three, you know, you can offset it. You, you can go up in increments as opposed to have to having to take an entire dose in one capsule. Yep. That's one big thing I love doing is, you know, like clinical labs, glucose disposal agent or, you know, the digestion aid. Some people I have take four caps twice a day. Some have take two caps three times a day. Some I only take two caps once a day. It really depends on the client and what they actually need, which is one thing I love about how we've been able to design the products is we can clinically dose it based on the person, not just make somebody use a ton of extra stuff to get them to buy another bottle sooner. You know, they can actually, you know, a bottle for one person may last them two months while Mm -hmm. a bottle for a bigger person may only last them a month, but it's a quality product. Yeah. 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 That's what we're looking for. Um, always kind of cater to the to the consumer, to the customer, to be able to give them what they want. Because four capsules of, well, six products at a time, like Chris does, might not be ideal for everybody. You know, you might not want to do seventeen servings of one thing. So for for me, four <laughs> caps of uh, the performance nootropic hits the spot for me. Uh, um, but with that said, I will oftentimes do two nootropic, two of the fat burner, and for mm. me. If I'm more so not necessarily, if I'm trying to use it for focus and maybe wake up a little bit as opposed to having an energy drink or, and not using it to train or to do cardio, I feel great on that. It's yeah. uh, it's it's just the right amount of stimulants and focus to really get me to where I need to be. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is you're seeing like a lot of quote unquote fat burners are just like, it's kind of just a glorified pre-workout where it's just dosed heavily with like teacrine and caffeine and that's it. And like, that's cool, I guess, but that's not in my opinion, what it's late, like what it should be labeled for. And that's kind of how it felt with like, again, I'm not trying to speak poorly. Like project project ID has a lot of great stuff, but like shreddable is just too much. Like the capsule form is just too much. I don't know anybody who can tolerate it. I know people use the powder, but like the pill kicked the shit out of me every day that I took it. And it's like, like, you know, like it, it makes me feel awful afterwards which is not something we wanted you know and that was something i thought of whenever we were actually designing that product and we we talked back and forth me ted and austin i was like i don't want people to have that feeling of like after they get done with cardio they're sitting there feeling clammy and dripping sweat while they're talking to somebody they're going to work you know it's not a good feeling to be at your workplace after you do cardio session for four hours afterwards feeling uncomfortable because Mm -hmm. you're still sweating yeah, or your your nose is running because there's too much pepper extract in it, and it's you know we 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 thought about that stuff because I'm like as a you know competitor myself, I want to feel good off the product and know it's giving me results, but I don't want it to have negative side effects, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of these companies I feel like they're 
they're overdoing the product and making it so it's a feeler product more than like a results product and it's more like oh my god that fat burner was so strong and it's like well that's cool but then you felt like shit for six hours that's not what you want you want to you know feel good during the the activity that you're doing and then be able to live a normal life after taking it. Yeah. Cause I mean, I was running into the issue, man. My central nervous system was like so fried where I would do my cardio and then just lay down in bed and have cold sweats for like hours. So it's kind of like defeating the purpose cause I couldn't move. And then like I couldn't eat cause I'd throw up. And it's like, in this case, like I can take our fat burner and like, I can still drink a cup of coffee after my cardio and not feel like I'm about to have a heart attack. You know what I mean? Like I can just like move about my day. So that's why like I do th truthfully, I do think it's the perfect balance. Yeah, um, I would agree. And that's what makes it, you know, you could put all ingredient, you know, there are brands that throw the kitchen sink right into products and they'll have, you know, 15 ingredients in a fat burner, 10 ingredients in a fat burner, and they'll all be clinically dosed. But in all ingredients to an extent are, are synergistic. You don't want to mm -hmm. just put, you know, okay, on a label, it looks great because it's loaded with six different types of caffeine and this trademarked ingredient and that. And that's all fine and dandy. And there is a market for that. But I want something that feels good when I take it. I don't mm -hmm. want personally, I don't want something that's overwhelming. I don't want to train and feel like I'm on the old Jack 3D because mm -hmm. during, during my training session, it might be great, but I'm going to go home and I might throw up, I might mm -hmm. pass out, or I might just feel like shit all day. And yeah. Maybe that's kind of not where where we're at. We we look at the ingredients, we look at the synergisticness of them, and make sure that everything flows well and feels good. And we try it. You know, we, yeah. we you know our manufacturers sometimes hate us because we'll go through five or six or seven different versions of something, and it takes. You know, they know that when if we're making a product from scratch, that it's going to take sometimes well over a year, two years to get a product done because we're going to try it multiple times. Tyler's going to try it. Laura's going to try it. You try it. You know, I tried, obviously, Ted's going to try it. And we're like, ah, I like it, but, but it's lacking here, but it's lacking there. Mm -hmm. um, we need to tone this back. We need to bump this up. Um, and that's something that uh, you can only get from, from, from feel and try and years of doing it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, again, it's, it's, it's a brand that's been built by people who care a lot and have, you have a lot of people, like all of the athletes who care a lot about what we're doing and like what we're trying to provide to people versus just like, I mean, I imagine like if you wanted to, you could probably push out like 20 or 30 SKUs a year of just kind of run of the mill bullshit, but that's not what we're looking to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh that's not the goal. If we're going to come up with a product, we would like it to be good. We would like it to be meaningful and actually have a real world use. Um, there's no reason just to put a SKU out just to have a SKU out. Um, but back to Tyler's question, I believe it was Tyler that asked. We do have some products. I'm not going to mention them just yet, but we do have some stuff that we're looking to launch um, in Q1 and sticking with kind of our competitor style theme that we have within the brand. It's a couple of things that I think everybody's going to really like um, that caters to the health of, of, of people in general, but also our athletes that take our products. Um, so we're really excited for that in the next, you know, three or four months. Hell yeah. I'm excited too. Um, trying to leave any other Tyler, do you have any good questions? other than the fork and spoon one that I will ask momentarily? Um, I'd say, uh, Austin, where do you see the supplement industry going in the next five years? Do you feel like we're going to keep with this uh, more clinical thing? Do you think that's here to stay where companies are, you know, having to live by a certain quality standard? Or do you think um, 
Do you think the consumer is becoming more educated, I should ask? I do. Um, I think that you're always going to have a majority of your total market that's probably not fully educated or as educated as they should be. But overall, I think people are are wanting to know more um, with social media and um, everything. There's a lot more information out there, which can be good and bad at the same time. But overall, I think we're heading in a good direction. I think that we're heading into a direction of no proprietary blends, a direction of quality ingredients, and hopefully a direction of people researching and reading um, prior to taking products and doing comparisons to figure out what works best for them in their body. Yeah, I think, I mean, ultimately, I mean, I'm just a person that I love the idea of like, I can research and find things that help me get better. Right. So that's, I mean, that's, what's always fascinated me about fitness and every like realm of it, uh-huh. but it's specifically, you know, supplementation in this regard. It's like, you can literally like look up sort of like, I don't say cheat codes, but like ways to improve performance or sleep or digestion or whatever you need to do, like insert problem you have. And supplementally, there is probably a solution. You just have to like do a like 20 minutes of research to kind of figure out what that may be you know 100% and uh just for anybody that's wondering about Chris's obsession with creatine he only takes 5 grams at a time only 5 so I'm natural yeah yeah you don't need anything. <laughs> <laughs> 5 <laughs> grams a day <laughs> yeah that's it i'm i'm yeah so it counts so and i haven't overdosed on it so jokes on you guys and he takes it up his anus yeah, it's far more potent if you go that route, is what I've learned. I can see it. I mean, I, your eyes are even more vibrant, man. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's a lot more health benefits. My coat has gotten shinier. You oh, know, man. I just. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> your wombat yeah. coat. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it glistens a lot more. So I would highly advise that's the route that we all start taking. We're just gonna see a lot more probing. creatine. Yeah. Yeah, I'll his, his own uh, analysis of that. Yeah, I'll do. I'll make a how-to video, okay, and we'll, we'll release that. For make sure you make it into a reel. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to uh, teach you guys the secret of growth. Um, but yeah, so Austin, we appreciate your time and a little bit more transparency on an industry that I don't think it's talked about a whole lot. Um, Tyler, do you have any tidbits of wisdom to add to this? I would say uh, the biggest thing is if you want to know how a product works or what the purpose of a product is or any ingredient that we put in a deer products, feel free to ask one of us. You know, Austin, mm-hmm. I and Ted and, you know, Chris are all very well versed on the product. So, you know, if you message us and you're like, hey, what is, you know, L-theanine for or why did you guys include, you know, synephrine in the fat burner, like we're, we're there to answer that, you know, that's, that's what we want to do and make sure people are aware of like why we made these products, what the purposes are, how you can use them. If you have an issue and you're wondering like what could help you to maybe burn fat in a trouble area, you know, I don't mind to tell you why the estrogen metabolizer was created for that, you know, and not mm-hmm. just to block estrogen for women. You know, so there, there's multiple purposes behind a lot of products. So always feel free to ask me any questions about that. Yeah, I yeah. think pe- people don't realize like all of these products like generally have a purpose. But because, again, this was a, a, 
company designed by people who are heavily involved in fitness, like there are other applications that can be used for. So it's like Tyler said, you know, it never hurts to ask questions. If you're interested, want to understand how something works, ultimately, clearly, that's what we're here to do is to educate and inform people. So obviously, with this being all said, please go check out Clinical Labs. They have a lot of really cool products. Like we've talked about a few. They have far more than what we've discussed. Um, be sure to check us out on Spotify, meaning us as in the Modcast. Leave us a five-star review or on Apple Podcasts as the person who left the one-star review that switched it to a five has now moved it back to a one-star review. So leave us who a five-star you? review. Who heard you? <laughs> like, I just want to know... I just want to know who it is because they started at a one or no, they started at a five and then switched it to a one. And then we made that episode and then it went back to a five and now they moved it back to a one. So just reach out to us. I want to talk to you. So check us out. Leave us a five star review. That's really it. Uh, with that being said, any, any, anything else, guys, or is that is that all? Make sure that you do not clip your toenails on your front porch and you do it inside your home. Yes, yes. Preferably over a trash can is what we would advise. Yeah, don't so, do it outside on your front porch. And when you put on your shoes, put on your left shoe before your right. God, I've been doing that wrong forever. <laughs> yeah, so don't start on the right foot forward. Anyways, with that being said, until next time, thank you for listening to the Modcast.